0: Welcome to If the Couch Could Speak. If you're new here, if the Couch Could Speak is an unscripted and unedited podcast of mental health therapists, where we talk about life on the other side of the couch. And the goal of this podcast is to increase transparency and in therapy, reduce the stigma of mental health and give an insight into the person side of therapists, It's part education, part hilarious entertainment. <laughs> Today, we're going to go over what is the difference between all these letters you see after a clinician's name, LMFT, LPC, CLCSW. what is the difference and why did we pick the ones that we picked? Because we're all in different courses of, or different tracks of the journey to becoming a therapist, so we're going to explore the shit out of that today. Before we do so, oftentimes clinicians kind of get into the slippery slope of practicing outside what the fuck we're supposed to do in our different respective fields. And what better way to explore that than with our favorite part of this podcast, the spider pages.
1: (laughs) Yes. All right, everybody. This is your girl, Carissa. Good morning. Well, it's good morning here where we're recording. It's a morning episode. (laughs) It's a morning episode. So there's going to be a different flavor today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) instead <laughs> <thought laughs> of <laughs> drinking
1: wine, we're all totally free, basin coffee.
0: <laughs>
1: yes,
2: free basing sure. coffee.
1: Yes, for sure. So today's spider page, like if you guys, like she said, if you haven't been here, so basically, um, as we are working um, with our clients, in our respective fields, we are monitored and regulated by a board in the state of California is the BBS, the Board of Behavioral Sciences. And sometimes when we're doing our work, we royally fuck up and when that happens we face the consequences right so here we're not going to give out any names we're not going to talk about um you know specifically where this person is located <laughs> but we are going to talk about the content um so um this is just to be educational and not point fingers but let's have some fun with it um this one is um delusional debbie
3: <laughs> delusional debbie, delusional debbie?
1: I like it. Okay. Love it. Delusional Debbie, because I'm sticking with the alliteration, you know, (laughs) we're just going to go for it. So actually, so I feel like it's important to, to specify because we're, this is going to transition into our topic for today. This particular person was a licensed marriage or family therapist. Was. All right. Now I know we're in
3: for a doozy, a doozy delusional Debbie. All right.
1: Yes, she was. Okay. (laughs) Um, That gives you foreshadowing to what the fuck happened about what she did. (laughs) Um, So basically, what she ended up doing, so she saw these clients, um, she actually didn't see them for very long. Um, But the reason that she got into trouble was because she was um, engaging in unprofessional conduct, not of the sexual kind. We all know that we don't have sex with our clients, but this one was practicing out of scope. And what I specifically mean by that is um, as an LMFT, we're able to do certain, you know, certain run-of-the-mill like assessments. You know what I'm saying? Like we can do a PHQ-9 we can do a GAD. These are like assessments for like depression inventories, you know, like we can do like a generalized anxiety scale, stuff like that. But actual psychological evaluations can only be done by psychologists. And you can only call yourself, yes, in the state of California, you can only call yourself a psychologist if you have a doctorate degree, either either if it's a doctorate of philosophy or doctorate. Uh, a doctorate in e. um <clears throat> and so with her clients she told her clients that she was a psychologist which is not true she was an LMFT mm-hmm. she also told them that she was giving a psychological evaluation in her report um And so she did not keep standard treatment records. She was saying that she was doing a psychological evaluation um, in her mental health assessment for the clients. Um, And the reason why she was doing this is because she agreed with the clients to evaluate the client to to provide a support, oh, wait, to provide a report in support of the client's husband, okay? So how this goes into the place is that apparently they were um, having some issues with immigration and she wanted a report. The client requested a report to say that how how this would affect him if he was deported. And so during her evaluation, she provided a, a report in support of the client's husband um, to the United States Bureau of Immigration and Citizenship Services, the USICS, and falsified the number of therapy sessions she had with the client and the spouse um she falsified her um her reports they were poorly written they lacked important testing details because again she said she was doing a psychological evaluation which requires uh specific testing details which she didn't have because she's not a psychologist (laughs) (laughs) okay uh to to support uh uh, conclusions. This is where I really was trying to figure out, okay, b- baby girl, what's going on. She even used the wrong fucking name for a diagnosis. Shut up. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, does the
0: does it go into details like what what it was? No,
1: it doesn't. Oh, like, man. I would
0: love to know. It I would love hilarious. to
1: know too. I mean and... I've seen that
0: on my end as, as an LMFT working with other other clinicians, but like
1: Yeah. And she used outdated codes in her report. Oh god uh, <laughs> And a assigned- the,
0: the DSM 5 came out when I was an undergrad. That was a long ass fucking yeah, time it ago.
1: Like, yo. It's been a minute. It's <laughs> been, been a minute. Um, and this was, the, this was the this was the this was kicker. She assigned a diagnosis to the client based on a potential future event of the client's spouse being deported.
2: Um, that's not how diagnosis works.
3: Wait, maybe she wins <laughs> in the future. <laughs> That's not how
1: adjustment footers
2: work.
3: Yo, she what? went, to, she foresaw it. She went to the future.
2: Was oh, like this no. is happening. It's like, the Thank first God. part of like doing the psychiatric evaluation like that can vary state to state like we can come up with reasons why someone might think it might be okay and i'm like oh that stinks that stinks but like then the rest of it came out and i was like oh oh no no, <laughs> Just no. Like, no. no. no.
1: so there are a number of specific assessments in the state of california I must put the asterisks that you have to have a certain so They have certain levels attached to them, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so these levels say like, okay, at level three or whatever, anybody with a master's degree can give this assessment to clients and work with the the clients. A lot of the times we don't do assessments because it costs a lot of money. We got to break it. Um, (laughs) or because we do not have the um the qualifications to provide said assessment so there are doctoral level assessments that can only be done by a psychologist right Mm -hmm. someone with a doctorate degree that someone at an LMFT level or only a master's level you know, social work, PCC, cannot provide you that same assessment. So it is important to recognize that, like, that information is free to us. Like, if you wanted to see, like, hey, like, I'm working with this client and I'd really like to do this assessment, there's websites out there that you can go on and see what's the level, what's the criteria, can I get this assessment Mm -hmm. um, based on uh, my qualifications, right? There's a lot of assessments that we can do that are awesome. Like, there's like the marriage inventory one scale. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I love that one. Marriage, I think it's marriage satisfaction in, inventory scale mm-hmm. revised. Um, that one's amazing. I think that was great. I'm not paying all this money to get it, <laughs> to use it with every right. couple. <laughs> but, but
2: the uh, assessments themselves usually say, like, within the instructions to use them, you know, they tell you what licensure or training or whatever is required to be able to use them. And a lot of these too, the reason that that training is important is because the interpretation of the results requires a deeper understanding than it's not like taking an online quiz y'all where, you know, you know, am I, which character am I in terms of my depression? Like that's not (laughs) how (laughs) that's Am I? Yeah. What house am I? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like it's, there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, that makes sense. there are also differences too, state to state. And that can get a little confusing of like, because then depending on who you talk to, like, oh, some some people can't use this and some people can use that. But it's really, it depends on your state and it depends on the assessment itself. And I think at the end of the day, that's what, you know, it's on us as individual therapists to know the rules before we engage in those practices
1: absolutely right? and that's yeah, why delusional debbie is delusional because she was a licensed mft there are certain things that we are we can and cannot do i don't know why she thought it was okay for her to tell her clients that she was a psychologist that's Maybe the biggest one right there i i, I don't better. did she not know she that you can't do that i
0: mean i mean as therapists as at least you know lmfts we can advertise as psychotherapist. And even within advertising, there's very specific rules of we have to say licensed marriage and family therapist or MFT or LMFT.
2: But Mm -hmm. we cannot
0: Mm -hmm. say, you know, psychologists, things like that. And the state board clearly
2: lays out certain protect what they call protected terms, right? So there are certain terms that certain people are allowed to use. And it does vary a little bit state to state, state to state, but there are some, some, you know, things that are the same, like only people with these licenses and this education can call themselves a psychotherapist, right? Mm -hmm. We're also allowed to call ourselves that. Um, I know for us before we're fully licensed, if we, we go by registered, whatever we are intern. So I was a registered mental health counselor intern. Um, as a licensed person, I'm allowed to put my name in advertising stuff, you know, comma LMHC. I don't have to write out licensed mental health counselor if I don't want to. But as a registered intern, our state law says you must write out every word. You are not yeah. allowed to use the abbreviation at all because you need to make it unbelievably clear to the people that you're working with that you are not fucking licensed. Yes. <laughs> for ours, you have right? to
0: write out at least once on the page that you're advertising, yep. licensed marriage and family therapist, registered associate, and you also have to put who you're supervised by that, yes, and they your to credentials supervisor. too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There is a lot that goes into the requirements for advertising because we don't want to be deceptive to clients. And that's the thing, like, <clears throat> even within our field, there's a lot of confusion on the differences between, okay, what does an LCSW do? What does an LMFT do? What does a PsyD do? I mean, I still have colleagues who graduated who still don't know the difference between a PhD and a PsyD. And I didn't know until I wanted to pursue it. And then I saw <laughs> student loans. So I was like, fuck that shit. But And we'll we'll go into why we specifically chose the field that we did, but even within it as clinicians and colleagues, we don't really know the difference sometimes because it does get blurred often. So I'd like to hear from y'all. I mean, let's get into it. Let's start with what is the difference between the different acronyms, the different types of Therapist, you can be. So let's start with, I mean, and let's start with maybe AMFT or the associates or before that, trainees. So there's different levels. Mm -hmm. So I know with LMFT, there's trainee. Carissa, I know you're, you're experienced with camps. Do you want to kind of dive into what is the difference?
1: Yeah. And so I think it'd be really important, like just in case for any new people for me to say, like, my uh, qualifications. So um, like I said, I'm Carissa. I am a registered associate marriage and family therapist as well as a registered associate professional clinical counselor. Um, on the road to licensure, um, if you're pursuing um, in the mental health, I'm going to be speaking to MFT and PCC because um, those are the ones that apply to me. Um, but and specifically, the road is like you get an undergrad, so you get a bachelor's degree in something. Then you go on to do a master's degree. Um, your master's degree, um, typically people usually go for clinical psychology. Um, it could have an emphasis in marriage and family therapy, but that's not the exclusive one that you have to go through. Um, that's the one that I did. I did a, ma- a master's in clinical psychology with the emphasis in marriage and family therapist therapy. Um, but you don't have to specifically go through that, but you have to at least have a master's degree Um, And then once you do in your master's degree program, you are a student and you as a student, you do what's called a practicum and a practicum is basically an internship at that internship at the practicum site, the location that you're providing services, you work as a student slash trainee. So the official title for um, the the um student workers in those sites would be like a marriage and family therapist training. So that title is given to them so that like, you know, if they're advertising, because typically these practicums can be anywhere from six months to a year, um, depending on your pro the the school mm-hmm. program. Mine's would ended up being a year. Um and As I worked with clients, I specifically told them, hey, I'm a trainee, I'm still in school um, getting my hours. Um, Now this is different depending on what you're trying to get because for PCC, you do have to do it, you do have to gain these hours as a trainee. What is Um, a PCC? The professional clinical counselor. So you do have to gain these hours um, as a student for your degree but they do not apply to your licensure. Yeah. So for professional clinical counselors, you cannot count your hours for licensure until after you have graduated. They are called That's post-degree hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why I didn't go with the LPCs. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can count your
0: hours in school
2: towards yeah. your license? As for an NMFT. LMFT,
0: yeah. That's okay, L- well, I
1: can't Disney wait till it's my turn. I'll tell you, it's Florida's different. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Krista, how
0: many yeah. hours are required for LMF, LMFT versus LPCC track in grad so school?
1: So they, they both require 3,000. How they're broken down is different, okay? So, it, uh, well, I don't want to take up all the time. So, like, <laughs> you sw- do you want to go over? Do you want us <laughs> to just, like, go to the different you want it so all of us can talk and then we'll go back to it
0: yeah yeah if you want to if you want to look that up because it is very very specific it's very pain in the ass I remember when I went to Pepperdine for my master's I did both of the tracks of LPCC and LMFT and I remember I had to extend my schooling past graduation I walked in I want to say June But I didn't graduate until several months later when I finished my coursework, all because I had to wait to finish that certain amount of hours for my professor to sign off on it. It was oddly specific, Mm -hmm. and it's a huge pain in the ass. And a lot of grad students have to extend their time in grad school to finish out the specific PCC hours. It sucks. Yeah,
3: for me, we had – very there are – Degrees were split. So I have a master's in arts in marital and family therapy. It's not clinical counseling. Like ours was so specific. um mm-hmm. I also feel so I went to, I graduated from U- USD, University of San Diego. It's a private school. A lot of the uh, teachers are actually like really working in the field, writing books, books that are being used, doing research that are being used across the United States. So, like, They were very specific. Had like the funds, all of that to really support. We got a grant for of like a hundred thousand dollars that year to be able to start implementing like Spanish speaking therapy and providing stuff for like Latinos. Like so, we had a really good um program for that. We did not share split classes with L or with the LPCC people. If we wanted to go to clubs and stuff, sometimes I would meet them because we would be in specific kind of like, you know, extracurricular activities together, but we never really crossed paths. So it wasn't until maybe I was like in my second year that I realized, like, I was like, Oh, what are you, what are you like, what are you studying? It's a like clinical counseling. And it was like, when I was in like an extracurricular um club where we were, we had like a meeting or basically like trying to talk about cases, but from like, uh latino perspective and how to do spanish therapy so it was just like that's what that was my first integration of all mm-hmm. these different like of the lpcc track and then the mft track and i was like this is different and i never got what was different about it that's so, so interesting. It's, it is interesting because then i now i'm meeting people who went to maybe san diego state who are like yeah i did both tracks together
0: it's yeah. So, yeah. That that's what it was like at at Pepperdine. Yeah. I mean, Carissa, you probably had the identical track that yeah. I did. I mean, with Pepperdine we had two different we had several different satellite campuses, mm-hmm.
1: but mine,
0: I did LPCC and LMFT that's and they were funny. identical classes. Yeah. Yeah. We're all within the same cohort and everything. And yep. if I remember correctly, I don't think they ever even explored the difference in grad school like they never had a differentiation mm-hmm. within the classes or anything Not of like really. this is an LMF <laughs> this is an LPCC approach and really you wouldn't know <laughs> for the a long time too.
3: yeah it was like yeah. me versus social workers MFTs and social yep. workers and I'm like who are you LPC or P- LPCC whatever Join the party and I'm like hi <laughs> what do you at doing at my here? school
2: we were <laughs> So I went to Wake Forest University, and um, I have a master's of arts in, in clinical counseling with a specialization in community mental health. The other track is school counseling. There was no LMFT. There was no LCSW. That was like, those are different programs at different schools. So like we split based on school counseling versus um, clinical mental health counseling. So everybody that graduated from my program either went off to become a school counselor with their specific licensure requirements, um, or... Whatever state version, like in Florida, were LMHCs, right, licensed mental health counselors, versus other states. You guys call them LPCs or LPCCs or some variation of licensed counselor with a bunch of different letters in between the license and the counselor word. So that's interesting how like different schools break it up. You know, I, I, it's interesting listening to you guys talk about that. So I was like, that's not how my experience was. We were all clinical counselors, and my school didn't also didn't really talk about the differences other than the, what they taught us was like, we're all doing the same work. We just might be sort of like looking at it from a slightly different lens, you know, like which perspective seems to be more common within the different degree paths. But they they, they really emphasize that when it comes gets, gets down to it, we're all there for the for the client. We're all trying to help the client meet their goals, whatever those goals may be. We just might be approaching it from different perspectives and we also have different names depending on which state we're at you guys like use, you know the word associates which i like a lot better than what we use here here in florida it gets a little confusing because as a student when you're still in school getting your hours you're a student intern right and then when you become when you graduate and now you're accumulating hours towards licensure you're a registered intern until you become a a licensed professional right so the word intern gets all sorts of wonky and so it's very frustrating and i think that they are proposing changes to that i don't know i haven't checked the recent board meeting minutes they are some people want us to change it so that we are considered associates and not (laughs) interns um so that the language is a little more clear because you say i'm a registered intern they're like oh you're still in school you're like no no, I'm not in school anymore. I'm 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 past school. But I also know that for us, like are the way our state licensure requirements work, you have a certain number of hours you have to have completed while a student. Mm-hmm. That that if your school for whatever reason doesn't have, you can then complete that practicum under the, you know, supervision of a qualified supervisor and get your practicum hours and then you're qualified to apply to be a registered intern and then accumulate the hours needed towards licensure. Yeah. And so Like you guys were talking about accumulating hours while in school. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, we do that, but not in the same way. And then our number of hours, we only track direct face-to-face contact hours. Like in the room with the client hours, we don't track any of the non-clinical stuff. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like we we do less, but we... I mean, if you're seeing a client, you're writing notes. If you're seeing clients, you're going to supervision meetings. You're going to consultation meetings. So we're doing all the same non-clinical stuff. We're just not tracking those hours. And so we only have to track 1,500 face-to-face client hours once you're a registered intern to get licensed. So it's a little different in the way Uh, that they word that, which makes it difficult. If I want to get uh, licensed with you guys in California, I have no record of those non-clinical hours. which I can't apply for that licensure.
0: Here in California, we have very, very specific, like we have to have... 1750 face to face hours out of yeah, the 3000, and then we have to have I want to say it's 82 weeks of
1: supervision 52, 52, 52.
0: It's okay. 52. Hey, I, got, the
3: I got it. You got it. <laughs> got
1: it. I can help you. I can help you. Okay, so I got this one. So it's 3,000 <laughs> out of the 3,000 hours. She's right. Uh, the direct face-to-face counseling is 1750. So 1750. Yeah. <laughs> out of that, 500 hours minimum has to be diagnosis and treatment of couples, families and children.
2: Right. Interesting. So individual yeah. therapy so marriage family. Right. So right. yeah. Okay. So well, I'm individual does so count, but out, out, of
1: out of the 1750, yeah. at least 500 has to be couples, family, children. Exactly. Does your
2: supervision hours count? Are those separate from those 3000? They okay. So they're, 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 they're part of the 3000, but they're under non-clinical. Right. They're I under see. non-clinical. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have our 1500 and then we have a hundred hours minimum supervision that must be done no less than every other week and within no less than two years. So obviously if you only did every other week, it would take you longer than two years, but whatever. That's very um, interesting.
1: We, so we have a, so it, it changes based on where you're at. So as a trainee, mm-hmm. we have a five to one ratio. What that means is for every five hours spent with clients, you have to have one unit of supervision.
2: As a student or as a... As a student. As a and student, you can and average have those requirements sure. too. Yeah, right. we had different requirements.
1: As, a, as an intern or an associate, because actually in, in the state of California, we also were called registered interns. It was mm-hmm. more of a recent change for yeah. us. Gotcha. Into, yeah. to distinguish. Uh, we were exploited yeah. by a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of clinicians,
0: like a lot of private practices. So they made that distinct trend between trainee and associate and like trainees yeah. can't work at a private practice. You have to be an associate. You have to yeah. have taken right. on ethics exam. And yeah.
2: the water- we also aren't limited where we can accumulate our hours in terms of mm-hmm. not a private practice or a group practice or community mental health or whatever. Like As long <laughs> as there's a licensed person on site, and they agree to have you as a student, and they can provide you those hours. There's wow. no, there's no reason you can't do that at a private practice.
3: After my experience, I'm not surprised that they require you to be an associate at a private practice because there could be a lot of shady shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and yeah. California
3: is so huge.
1: Yeah, it, it is. might
3: have to do with like the size. Like maybe there's more regulations because of the size of the well, state and population.
2: Population-wise, we're right behind you in here in Florida there's a big difference too. Y'all are employee friendly. Oh, that's true. We are employee friendly, right? That's so, true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it, make sense. I think that makes a big difference. Also, at, the, at the end of the day, it's up to us as individuals. My license is my fucking responsibility. It is yep. my responsibility to make sure I have gone and looked at the laws and so that I can make sure that my school is giving me everything that I need to make sure that I'm going to qualify for that license. And then when I'm accumulating all this stuff, you know, we we're talking about like earlier with delusional Debbie, like she is responsible for knowing the rules, yeah. right? Let's say I call Jessica and I'm like, hey, I have this question about the ethics or legality of something. And she gives me an answer. Let's say she's wrong and I get in trouble. That's my license on. It's not exactly. hers. That's my license, right? Yeah. So like yeah. talking I'm to Debbie. our friends, checking Facebook, whatever, that is not the end all be all. No. We all should absolutely know where to find this information in fact one of my capstone projects was to go through the legal requirements in each of our because i was an online program Mm -hmm. and so they made each of us go through in the the assignment was called know the law ktl right and i have it i still have it saved on my desktop so that way i can refer to it whenever i need it and they had us go through what are the licensing requirements in your state for the license you want to go for like Mm -hmm. you need to know how to find this information and i don't think enough people I mean, God, it's evident from the Facebook post that people don't know (laughs) how to find this information. It's crazy. I mean, just
0: this past week, I was consulting (laughs) with a really shitty psychiatrist, but Um. who (laughs) the panel knows I invented it was horrible. TLDR. You know, and it sucks within our field sometimes and externally when consulting with like nurse practitioners, psychiatrists, oftentimes they don't know our credentials and we get the -hmm. brunt of a lot of condescension and just lack of respect. I mean, as a Mm -hmm. whole, that's something I want to explore in a future episode of the lack of respect that we get, because a lot of times people want like refunds for our services or you know, really late cancellations, things like that. But they wouldn't ask the same from a doctor, from a dentist, but we have, the same credentials we have a fuck ton of hours that we have to get similar Mm -hmm. to a medical registry
2: or in fact there's been several articles just written in fact like of other master's level folks that come out of school with a master's level degree with a similar number of hours that require like a PA a physician's assistant is a master's degree person that does a similar number of hours to therapists and yet their starting salaries is like close to 100k yeah. The, the average salary of a therapist, whatever your licensure, I think across the country is 58, I think is what the most recent article. And that's an average, right? Most people are making less than that. Yeah. And so you're talking about I'm like, license. Like, yeah. And I'm talking about licensed people, right? Coming out, <laughs> we're making 30 to I'm 50. I'm I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I have to point
1: that out. I'm sorry. Spooky <laughs> episode. <laughs>
2: Like that—that's fucked up that we don't have that same respect and that we're not it doing absolutely. that same thing. We have the ah! same amount of training and education as these other medical folks, and they're getting paid way more than we are because their, their time is respected differently. And I think that has to do with the stigma of mental health. Yeah, that is—that is,
0: that is a huge portion of it. But you are also talking about the importance of staying educated, and I know as. A LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist, my one year of licensure is coming up next month. So I was scrambling, like, fuck, what do Yay. I do? The good thing is, I don't need to renew until next year. So my license is good for two years and it expires the month of my birthday. So, which is interesting. I think they, they make that so it's easy to remember yeah. each year. But for the first time, I renew. So next year in November, I have to complete 18 hours of continuing education within the two years prior to the license renewal. And there is very specific coursework like there is telehealth coursework, there is HIV assessment coursework as well and suicide risk assessment. So there's very specific continued education but let's be real. It's very fucking clear who does their continued education and who does not in our field. And it's sad. It's There's a reason why we need continued education. I mean, some of the clinicians I've seen in our field went to schools fucking three decades ago and they're so outdated in their approaches and it's causing a disservice mm-hmm. to clients. So let's kind of explore the education aspect of it. I mean, there's the master's degree, which we all have as therapists, whether it be LPCC, LMFT, etc. So we've all completed that. Awesome. Then there's PsyD and PhD. So what's, what's the difference between the two? I know for me, I was taught that an LMFT is more, you know, the individual and their environment, the entire context around it, LPCC is more individualistic, LCSW is more case management work, and that PsyD is more clinical assessments, PhD is more research-based. I'm curious what you guys have heard in terms of the difference between
1: uh, I do want to mention, because I started saying this and then we, we switched topics, but if anybody out there is listening, wants to know more information about like the hour requirements, you can find that information freely online through the BBS website. Um, it is 3,000 hours, as we were saying, for um, PCC and MFT in California. Mm-hmm. If you want the breakdown, <laughs> you can go to those websites. Um, but yes, yeah. so I just wanted to give that disclaimer. But yes, uh, PhD and PsyD. So I think you brought it up a great way because when I first understood it, the difference between the two, it was that uh, there's the well. Okay, full disclosure. I I come from a research background, mm. so there was a lot of push Me for PhD, mm-hmm. and there was Same like hand. the this the, the there was very much the conversation about like oh, well, like, if you do want to work with clients, like, well, you just shouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> 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 because the programs are, they're research-based. The whole idea of these PhD programs is to help you learn how to do research, mm-hmm. to help you learn how to teach, to be a professor, at the university level because mm-hmm. that is that is their that is their approach for PhD is the sure, doctoral yeah. of philosophy for society it the focus is your work with clients, right? Mm-hmm. Majority mm-hmm. of their work is like helping you learn, it, learning about the theories, helping you learn about the assessments, because right. you can do those doctoral level assessments now, helping right. you learn about like, you know, building up your clinical skills, give you the opportunities to do internships in clinical um, settings, which is funny because in PhD, you also do <laughs> internships there too. Right. And most of the time they do um, like teaching. Yeah. Uh, but they, they yeah. also can do clinical um, internships mm-hmm. as well for, as for a PhD. Um, yeah.
3: I just want to say that even coming, starting at your bachelor level, you do start to get this information because I did not know a side existed. I went to University of California, San Diego. Everything, I mean, I, everything is research-based at UCSD. Mm-hmm. It is very hardcore on that level. Out of my undergrad bachelor's of psychology with a specialization in clinical psychology, I took one clinical psychology class in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. So I had that mentality. The next thing is, is PhD right did everybody yep.
2: here get a bachelor's in psychology because i did not
1: i did i have a bachelor's in psychology and i did my um research background i did my internship at ucsd yeah, ah, that's
2: funny. i yeah.
0: have my bachelor's in psychology and social behavior and then my so just so everybody
2: knows you don't have to have a bachelor's no. in psychology no. so my bachelor's no. was in liberal studies because i didn't know anyone to <laughs> do when i grew up and i took a thousand classes and a thousand different things and had way more credits than i needed and uh, just so you all know, you don't have to have that going mm-hmm. into a master's yeah. degree in this nope. field. They'll, yep. You may have to take a course or two to make sure you're, you, you know, if you've never taken a psychology class, then you'll have to take that. But other than that, yeah. So I just thought that, that was, was interesting. Awesome. Everyone else here has done that yeah. differently than I did. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then even within schools and whatnot, there is different accreditation, yeah. you know, for like mm-hmm. California, national level, different schools have requirements. I don't know if Pepperdine had any I know Pepperdine was a private school I don't think they were you know clamped So I there's there's Matt natal- natal- had what
2: there's different kinds of accreditation levels. So there's regional accreditations, like down here in the South, we have this other association of colleges and whatever. So it's called SACS. Y'all have one for California. <laughs> there, there's six region ones. If you didn't, if you weren't from an accredited school, there's no way you, got, you can get your license. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah. So everybody needs to make sure they're going to an accredited school. And then within that, there's accreditation for the individual programs that you're going, that you go to. So like in the counseling world, um, ours is KCREP. I don't remember what that stands for. I'm sorry. It's C-A-C-R-E-P. <laughs> Okay, it's the accrediting body. What they do is they then look at the counseling programs out there. This is counseling, not social work, not LMFT, counseling programs. And they make sure or they have set certain standards that say for a program, an educational program to be accredited with us, they must have programs that meet these standards, these many hours, this kind of course load, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then so the school will then have more than more than one accreditation. So and then very depending on where you're at statewide. That may be a requirement or not. Like in the state of Florida, beginning in the year 2025, only people who have graduated from a K-CREP accredited program will be eligible for licensure. As of right now, if you graduated from a K-CREP school like I did, then you don't have to like prove by pr- all your courses. You don't have to send up send mm-hmm. in like descriptions of everything and like fill out this oh, really long wow. educational documentation, because my transcript is from a K-CREP school. And so that right. means I've met those requirements. And the state's like, cool, looks good. Yeah, and then yeah. I get to just skip to the collecting my <laughs> hours part. Whereas up till now, or up till 2025, if you didn't go to a K-CREP school, you could like just show I've met all those standards, right, through describing it and having different hours and all this other shit. So- Accreditation is also really important, and that's also something to look at. I don't know what you guys' accrediting board. I know with social workers, I think, is it the NSAW or the ASWB? I can't remember which one they they use for school. Do you guys know what y'all's is for school programs, the accrediting body? So
1: for (laughs) um, Pepperdine, um, so... I, like a very much so in the research phase. So that was very big If whether or not the school. So when I made my decision about like what school I wanted to go to, that was really huge for me, whether or not mm-hmm. the school was accredited.
3: Right. Um,
1: and so Pepperdine was accredited. They're accredited through the uh, Western Association of Schools and Colleges, Senior College and University Commission, which is totally wrong. <laughs>
2: That's the regional uh, <laughs> one that I was talking about. The, that we're sacks. you're oh, wow. that one. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so that was like really, really important to me as regards to like finding an accredited
2: school. Is um, that
3: the WPA? What is that? What you are guys it?
2: are the COAMFTE one. Yeah. So marriage and family therapists are mm-hmm. either, com, what's com? It? I can't how to spell it. It, Here is, it is. I'm looking it up right now. Commission on Accreditation for Marriage and Family Therapy Education. So from my research, LMFT programs are either accredited by them or KCREF like mine, one or the other. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd
0: I'd like to hear
3: kind of why each of us chose what we chose. Why we chose the beginning or why we chose the latter half after college or after master's?
0: I, w- I would go more so yeah both like so why did you choose the school you did cool. and or kind of like the degree path and then mm-hmm. why did you choose the post-grad licensure path
2: who wants to go first I'll
3: go yeah. go ahead okay fine. so woohoo! okay um, I, like I said, I was at UCSD. I really wanted to do psychology. Um, much like you, Christy, in my associate degree, I went to community college before I actually transferred. Um, I was an English major. I was a theater major. I did all this stuff. And then I decided to do psychology because why not blend the fuck out of all of them? Um, and so I ended up transferring to UCSD. I actually, first I went to Irvine. I'll say that. I went to Irvine. I didn't like it. They have two completely separate departments and separate majors of psychology. There's a clinical base. And then there's a social for psychology. UCI. Yeah. For okay. undergrad. Um, So it's very like the social psychology and then there's the clinical psychology, which is more research-based was split at UCSD. It's not, but once I went there, I realized it was very heavily on the research kind of clinical if not clinical in this way, clinical in the, in the standardized lab testing kind of way. Um, okay. So I went there and I was doing, I was working in labs. I fell in love with social psychology and research. I really do love research. I think it's really great. And I actually ended up graduating and applying to doing a couple of programs um, in Amsterdam. And I got into school over there for their social psychology program. One of the things that, you know, when I was looking at, I really I studied abroad in the UK and I went to a a really good school in Bristol in England that was heavy on the science research based for psychology. So that was really great as well. Um, But then when I kind of looked at getting a master's, I didn't want to go straight into a PhD program that was just, I just wanted to do a little bit more before I committed to like five to seven years of my life. Um, And when I looked at the work, like how much am I going to be making or what is the benefit of a master's in social psychology? Basically shit. It's the same as if you were, it was equivalent to my bachelor's. Like there was no, you know, so it's like, why am I going to pay all this money to go Mm -hmm. either abroad or to a school here um, to get, end up with a degree that doesn't get me any further. Um, so then I thought back a lot and I thought to my clinical, the actual like clinical counseling, I had one class that was like, I fell in love with, and it was really focused on therapy. We had a marital and family therapist teach the course. And I was like, this is so great. It's amazing. Awesome. Um, and that's when I started to realize, I actually didn't know MFTs existed while I was under undergrad, I'm telling you, I was in a bubble. Like I was, I was so, UCSD is so research driven that like, I was just like, I did not know that you could actually just do this and become a therapist. I thought you had to become a psychologist to practice and work with people. And your payment of that was to then give your dividends back to the school in terms of research and teaching. I thought that was the way. So (laughs) I then applied um, to a few different schools, and I found um the University of San Diego, which I was in. I actually applied out of state in Portland, but um, when I was looking at schools, there's actually a we all, while we were talking about accreditation, there's accreditation on in a California level, and then there's accreditation on a national level. Mm-hmm. Overall, right, like we do have certain markers that classes have to meet or schools have to meet to be able to provide their coursework in marital and family therapy. But California they, like so stringent that I was looking for one that hit both because mm-hmm. you can actually take the exam, the national exam, right? And then you can kind of go in and out between states am I right on that or is there what is the national actually
0: no I I thought Mm -hmm. I thought I'd be able to because you know I'm licensed in California California is one of the hardest license or Mm -hmm. hardest states to get licensed in same with reciprocity yeah and a lot of my clients were moving to other states especially at the start of COVID and I found out you actually have to pretty much say like yeah I have plans of moving here like this is what I'm doing like you have to pretty much be in the process of okay. moving or like like yeah. you're going to move you reach out to the board and then you do sure. it that way but you can't like, a
2: state by state thing There's exactly no right. you have to I don't know
0: what that test is the authorization to it Yeah, I don't I don't know I'm, I'm curious answer. what yeah. the laws would be but you know I've heard LMFT is recognized in like 13 states. And I still yeah. think it's bullshit that with like <laughs> LPTC, they're doing a state reciprocity thing, which I think should have been
2: the goal from the get go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You yeah, it's like
2: the counseling pact. Yeah, which yeah, is similar the to the side pact that happened for psychology and mm-hmm. psychologists. They did one a number of years ago. You know, licensed clinical social workers have their own thing, and so it's based on like so the American Counseling Association and other counselor associations based on our licensure as counselors, not licensed marriage family therapists. Like that's kind of the group. I don't know if they ever reached out to other. Like I'm not a part of that. Yeah, but I'm I do coming, know that like right? no, there not. is no reciprocity for all of our licenses. That's not. why it's state to state. That's why in case you're wondering why your therapist won't see you when you move to another state or you're traveling somewhere else is because we could lose our license if we did that. Absolutely, so, and I
0: know with, with California, it's based on where your client is physically. Yeah, located the start too. Of session. Mm-hmm. So I could be on, on a beach in the Bahamas during session. It doesn't matter per California. Right. And with COVID, thankfully it made it a bit easier to get mm-hmm. reciprocity for telehealth. Like for me, I hold a temporary license in Wisconsin, but some States, Florida, Christy, sorry, it's <laughs> so fucking hard <laughs> because they wanted a letter from- in the S yeah they wanted a letter from my practicum professor. Really? like we've yeah we've talked about the journey how basically you have practicum we have um we have internships and then whatnot yeah they wanted that so I mean keeping anyway. on time <laughs> I guess I'll go next why I chose mine so with Pepperdine, or I started also at UCI with a psychology and social behavior degree. I actually started as a criminology major. I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. So we see like Dahmer, that shit. I wanted to do that. Ironic, now I'm a child therapist. So instead of- I mean- Exploring people <laughs> killing, my soul is slowly drained. So, you know, no, I love Maybe you catch time. up early. <laughs> right no maybe maybe I truly am a masochist (laughs) doing it to myself but no I started that and I really liked this one professor who actually was involved in that major um, Munchausen case down here in SoCal it was back in like the 2000s was a huge case but she worked on that and it helps that she was like super super attractive and super funny and made everything about therapy super fun but part of my criminology course load was an abnormal psychology class and I was like oh shit this is kind of fucking cool yeah so I I went I went that route I did the community college route um did every fucking major that there was it took me like four years to graduate from a community college usually it's supposed to take two no it took me way longer than that then I went to UCI and found out quickly they didn't have the B route that I wanted. I learned, too, that PhD was more research working <laughs> in the labs. I knew I didn't want to work in the labs. I'm way too neurodivergent for that, where it wouldn't satisfy by my needs. I need that, that intense curiosity with, with a person, with a human. That's what I wanted. And UCI didn't have that. You know, you're right, Sam, that they had two completely different tracks. But so I found that with the grad school path that you had either a school that had field study, like Pepperdine did, or you had a school that had a huge ass fucking thesis for grad school, I didn't want to do a thesis. So I knew I wanted something with more hands on knowledge. But I also knew I didn't want to take the GRE. Studying for the SATs was absolute hell for me, and I don't do well with test taking. I don't do well with memorization. At all. I'm a huge visual learner and a lot of the study prep for the GREs was not that. I mean, I did well on my SATs, but I ended up not even using them because I went through the community college yeah, route. But I, I was
1: like, girl, if you went the community right, community. No, <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I also did AP courses and did nothing with that. Didn't even take the AP exams because I got food poisoning that day. It, it was fun, just my luck, right? But Yeah. So I decided I didn't want to take another exam. I already knew I was going to have to take a fuck ton of exams to get licensed. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with the school where I just have to write a letter. And that's what I did. So I got into Pepperdine. And within that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the grad school exam, or I'm going to do the grad school path and then see how I feel. (laughs) Grad school took every desire to read out of my body um I used to be that kid who would like consume books in a day like I would read a whole ass Harry Potter book in a day now I'm lucky if I can get through this really like three months
2: I still love to read I I love to read
0: my teachers (laughs)
3: would give give fun books to read oh
0: no mine gave their own like mine Mine gave their own too but then yeah 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 mine gave their own
3: too but they were fun teachers mine were not Mm I I had one that was, that was
0: hilarious. John DePaula. I still remember him. He is amazing. If you're listening to this, John, I love you. You're amazing. But I had professors who like kept it down to earth. But after grad school, like no fucking way. I found out you don't get paid more. You really don't as a PsyD or Phd and the difference, at least from what I've seen, is more assessment based. And I wanted to do the hands on therapy based. So mm-hmm. I went LMFT. I didn't want to. I, I took a look at Track Your Hours, which is a system that you can track how many hours you have. LMFT, that? LPCC, etc. And looking at that, I'm like, all right, well. If I'm going to finish both of those hours out right around the same time, fuck it, I'll do both. And I did complete the schooling for both. I'm low-key mad about that. I could have graduated sooner. But I decided, I looked at it, I would have graduated or I would have finished my hours probably about six months at least before I finished for LPCC. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to pay for double the licensure, the states I want to move to, Mm -hmm. like Colorado, Washington. Oregon they recognized the LMFT thing but like California California doesn't recognize the national MFT exam that's
3: what I was just reading actually yeah so okay this is what I was talking about so mine what it was there's AAMFT which is like all of the associate of marital and family therapy across the United States and then there's COAMFT which is California based so It's really in the state of California, you can look at which school is accredited and which one. So there's a national MFT exam, all the other states, I'm not sure all of them, but other states outside of California provide the same MFT exam. In the state of California, it is not, it is a very specific exam, only in the state of California, when you pass your 3000 hours, you have to take it, so
2: there are two different tests that we can take as counselors yeah. to get my my license. And it depends on the state that you're in, which test you need to take. And there's a there are a few states that require both tests. So like yeah. we have the MCMHCE or the NCC or NCE, I think. And like here in Florida, we require the NCMHCE, which is the one I took. But if I wanted to go to another state, I would have to see what their requirements are, which, which of the two national board tests they require. So this is another thing that makes it difficult for us to transfer our licenses is that each of us have different tests that we can take. I don't think that um, social workers have that. I think they only have one test that they take, but I'm not sure. Uh, none of us are social workers. That's kind of funny.
0: So that brings me to my favorite <laughs> question. So, what is the difference between all of well, the Well, Krista ones- and I
2: didn't talk about our. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that. I was excited <laughs> yeah, about reading on life There's coaches. Yeah, like. Oh, so I got I mean, excited. It's cool. I can just you know fuck off, but you know. No,
0: it's morning. I'm tired, and I was excited about exploring life coaches. Can you just life coaches? Off?
1: You get crying so. makeup. Uh, Krista, yeah. why don't you go next? <laughs> um. Uh, I I went to Pepperdine.
2: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Why? Why did you go to Pepperdine? Why yeah. did you decide on LMFD <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. Uh, I'm I'm not a martyr person. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: the beginning of time. I was born. <laughs> I'm <was> just kidding. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Okay.
3: She already knew at the beginning when <laughs> she was born she decided on Pepperdine
1: no okay so I I did community college I got my associate um I never intended to be in school as long as I ended up being in school oh, I wow. wanted to get I wanted to get a degree get a nice job and move on with my life and at the time I finished my associate and that's when I was reading and looking at the you know stuff and people were like oh you know you're not going to really make a lot of money with an associate degree and this is about how much you could make in California and I was like well that's not going to be enough long term to live here and stay here so I was like all right okay cool so then (laughs) I was like okay then I'll just get my bachelor's degree so I ended up um applying to uh CSUN which is where I did my bachelor's degree um the world works in mysterious ways. And I got uh, I was grateful enough to get like this awesome and I and I funded okay. uh, program for research okay. um, and they paid for my undergrad at CSUN and All I nice. did research awesome. and I presented. Um so WPA is the Western Psychological Association I presented there too. Samantha and I presented
3: that's what is that the same conference I was at I was there at community college nice I yeah then.
1: so I presented there too uh it was pretty awesome um oh. yeah so that's I always I was in that program. It was pushing to get PhD. Um, and I was psychology based. I did my master's in psychology, but there was this thing about like, yeah, we, you know, we're about research. Like if you want to do therapy, you need to lead the program. And I'm like, these motherfuckers is paying me stipend <laughs> and my tuition. I'm not doing shit.
2: <laughs> right.
1: So, oh um, uh, but I, I, Kind of felt an inkling that I wanted to do it because my 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 um my mentor, she actually did both. She did research and she worked with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's like, "You could do both, Carissa." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know." So <laughs> then I I <laughs> I did my internship uh, at UCSD. I presented there. Uh, I finished my degree program. And I got rejected from all the schools I applied to for for what Uh, What
3: for PhD. PhD.
1: Oh, Uh, it was soul crushing. Um, it was not cool. Um, I was really upset.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: and so like I took a break. I took that gap year, and I was just like, what the fuck am I gonna do? Um, Mm -hmm. and one of my friends was like, well, why don't you do something you know else? Like, what what other things could you do? And we got to talking about public health and i was like okay well maybe that'll work so i ended up going to george washington university and i got my master's in public health um
3: oh wow
1: yeah and so um (laughs) what i did not know was that that degree is really great if you're already in the field and got a job because now Uh... they push you up they're like oh you got this Mm -hmm. degree so now they push you up they put you in other programs but if you're not in you it's hard for you to get in mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I'm i had a,
3: someone who didn't want to do school
1: <laughs> i know i was it was some bullshit, Damn. I, it was some bullshit. I
3: wish we that could some like bullshit. get these like I wish we could <clears> have <throat> just gotten this knowledge before we win all these fucking right? Programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. So then, like, I I spent
1: like a good two years like not getting any jobs. I I so then I I just you know gave up and I joined AmeriCorps, and yes. I volunteered, um, and then I got the education credit because when you do AmeriCorps, you get the education credit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well then, um. I'm not getting a job anyway. Why don't I do what I always loved? Why don't I do psychology? Why don't I get a master's in psychology? Um, And so that's what I did. I went back. I applied to Pepperdine. I I kicked ass. I've never been happier. Um, I wish I didn't waste my time (laughs) doing all this other shit.
2: (laughs) But uh (laughs) that's okay. It is so story of every clinician. <laughs> so I, I really love how nonlinear our paths all are because I can't tell you how many times my clients will be like, "Oh well, you know, you have all your shit together." I'm like, "Girl, I have not. Girl, I do not for a long <laughs> ass time." Like, chris before I keep talking, I want to let you finish if you weren't done. <laughs>
1: No, like that. That's that, that basically <laughs> it. <finished>, I, <laughs> I chose that I was going to do uh, MFT and PCC, which I'm still doing. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. pursuing both right yeah, now, collecting
2: right. hours. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a very nonlinear path as well. I went straight to university right out of high school. So I went to UCF, University of Central Florida. And um, but I was like young and dumb and I didn't know what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do. You know, my dad's like, you can't make any money at fast because so I didn't want take classes and the shit that like, you know, I was, I thought I should do. And it took me nine years to get my bachelor's degree. Um, At year seven, I dropped out for like the third time went to the local community college took two classes got my AA real fast and then went back to the university level it was like how the fuck do i get out of here with a degree and you know we we looked at all my stuff and that's where liberal studies came in and so one of my areas of study was actually um behavioral sciences so i took a bunch of psychology and sociology classes and I loved them I always thought they were really great but like I was like what the fuck do I do with this degree. Right, I had taken I had at one point tried doing a graphics degree program a two year program but then I got pregnant and I was out for like a year and a half, and so then my other area of study was art, I was like so I have a bachelor's of arts with a with a focus in art behavioral sciences and a minor in communication It's the weirdest degree combination ever. but I actually didn't use that degree for a long time. I got a job as a phlebotomist. So I was drawing blood at a local hospital. Oh. And um, my sister got me into that job. And then so through my that same sister, she was teaching phlebotomy at the local community college while she was going to school to become an MLT tech. And when she became a tech, she could no longer teach. And so I got into education. So then I started teaching. So I had this bachelor's degree in something completely unrelated to what I was teaching. And I'm surrounded by people with way better degrees than me, right? So imposter syndrome, like a mofo. I've really felt like I didn't belong. Then there was like talk that if you were at the community college level, you had to have a master's, even if you were teaching in a program like mine, which is vocational. So it was this big push for everybody to go get a master's degree that didn't have one. Um, and I didn't know that. I'm like, I'm just gonna teach for till till I die. It's fine. Like, I like my job. And so my sister, the same sister, she was in and out of rehab at the time, dealing with drugs and things like that. And so I'd gone to a bunch of these, like, which the last time she was in rehab at that time, and I'd gone to every family session, like every single one for weeks uh. and weeks and weeks. And therapist there was kind of like, have you ever thought about maybe going to school for this? Like, you, you really seem to get it right? And just the way that I would interact in the group sessions, this that and the other. And so that kind of put that bug in my ear. Oh, that's like, great. That's right? also
3: interesting. It's like your sister's therapist told yeah. you.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. She's like, you seem to really get the idea of like how addiction works and how therapy works and this whole process. Maybe you should look into going to school for this. I was like, okay, but I didn't have the balls to go be a therapist at that time. I really liked teaching. So I actually went to school. and got a master's degree in general psychology from an online program um, at a, you know, regionally accredited school, but nothing really spectacular about it. I loved it. It was great. It was affordable, um, but it was just a general psychology degree. There's no clinical side of it at all. But then I felt like, okay, I have a master's degree. I'm teaching to college. Everything's hunky-dory. When I was getting pushed to keep going, so I, went, I actually signed up. It's funny you talk about public health. I signed up for a doctoral degree in um, health education and promotion, which is in the pr- public health kind of field. Yeah. And I was really good at it. I was the only student in my cohort to have a 4.0 at the end of the first year. Um, however, I hated it. <laughs> like it was not interesting. I could have made a lot of money doing it, but at the end of the day, that's not my goal. I mean, it's nice, but I'd rather be happy in my job than mm-hmm. make a lot of money. And like you, Jessica, I didn't want to take an M- uh, the GRE either. Um, and my first master's degree ah. didn't require it. The doctoral program, because I had a master's degree, didn't require it um so I never had to take that and so I'm doing the doctoral program I'm realizing I don't like it and I'm realizing the thing I like most about my teaching is the connection I'm having with my students it's not even just the teaching them the skill it's helping them build their confidence helping them manage their anxiety in class because you know we play with needles I have to do that right can't everybody losing their shit when we're about to stab each other in class um And so like that was really pushing. And then I had that little birdie in my ear from my sister's counselor, right? And so I finally, you know, decided, you know, maybe I'll go back to school to be a therapist. And so I started looking at all the different degree programs and all the different licensure paths. And the way that I made my decision, I wish I'd had a little bit more information at the time, but at the time I I went on a bunch of like patient forums and I looked at who did they feel like they had the best connections with, right? How did they feel about psychologists versus LMHCs versus LCSWs versus LMFTs. And I started keeping track of that of yeah. what people said. And I saw more and more and more people felt like my my LMHC type license people seemed to really get me. I felt more connected to those people. I felt like they mm-hmm. helped me the most. And I I mean I researched this for like six months. What I didn't know is that insurance companies like Medicare doesn't pay. LMHCs, they only pay LCSWs. Yep. I didn't know the hospitals around me wouldn't hire me if I was an LCSW. That's I didn't bullshit. know hospitals wouldn't let me work for them if I was an LCSW. So like that part kind yeah. like of sucks. There are some changes in the government for that now, but I didn't know that then. Um, yeah. So I made my decision based on what people said they liked best about the kind of work that they were doing, and then I went and looked for a program that was credit because I worked in education, so I knew to look for accredited accreditation. Right, right. So I went, and at the time I was working full time. I'm the maid, breadwinner of my family. I also needed a, a program that was online, online and accredited. Pre COVID was a pain in the ass to find y'all, and so I ended up at Wake Forest University. They had a K-Crep accredited online program. It was unbelievably expensive, but it was a great program. I really yeah, loved it. Yeah. I, I, you guys have heard me talk about it before. I absolutely, you know recommend it if if finances aren't going to stress you the fuck out. Um, And it came really well recommended too. Like they have a great, you know, reputation there. And so it was kind of like a combination of those things. And I liked the idea of it was part-time and I could get my license over like five years and I could keep working as a teacher and do what I like there and do therapy. And that those two things didn't have to compete. And that's what I do today. I do, you know, I teach full-time and I am a counselor full-time because, I have no life and I like to work.
3: (laughs) I just want to like highlight one thing you said, because it resonated with me where you were like, at the time I didn't have the balls to become, or like to go down the path of being a therapist. Mm -hmm. And that was the same for me. I took some time off and I pushed it. I loved it. I love social psychology because there was a barrier between actually confronting your issues and your problems. Right. And so I think like, it's pretty interesting you know, like to hear that from you, because that was also for me, you know, and I think I also wonder, is this, is this the issue that maybe some people might have with actually going and getting um, credentialed? You know, what maybe. is stopping people yeah. from getting credentialed and doing the work without actually going to school
2: but think about how much of our (laughs) education early on though is like not applicable like my liberal studies degree with all the psychology courses I took I was very I'm very good at retaining knowledge like I am one of those people I test well I test fucking great there are classes I never should have passed (laughs) because I don't know anything but I can pass a test I'm great at memorization that doesn't mean I know anything Uh, that doesn't mean I know what to do With that information, I had my liberal studies degree and I'm like, what the? I don't know what to do. And so, you know, all the degrees that i would had never really taught me how to use the information. So that was something I had to start teaching myself as a teacher. That became something like I became really big on. Mm -hmm. And so when I went back that last time, I definitely had, I was like, I have to go to a school that's going to make me apply this shit. Because my first master's didn't do that. My doctoral program started me in that path. And then my final master's degree, that really was like, we're doing hands on all the fucking time.
3: Right. That was really exactly.
2: important for me. And I think that that's a big barrier for a lot of folks. And I see it teaching in education. How many of my colleagues don't teach their students how to use the information they're being taught? It's just memorization and facts. See, my mine... so educational system sets us up for being fucked. Oh, no, for sure.
0: Mine, thankfully, I think that's why grad school is a breeze for me, because which often isn't the case. But personally I found, I mean, we all went to very similar schools, at least those of us in, in SoCal, but my undergrad was infinitely harder. It was harder
2: school. than my grad school too.
0: Exponentially harder. Right. Like I remember it was harder I had
2: a- for different reasons though.
0: But I felt like the, the exams and Think whatnot. So, yeah all of that was a lot harder. I had a professor who gave us 20 essay questions a week before the exam. We had to memorize it because then he would pick seven at random and we would have to write two pages.
2: So I I work in in higher ed in that lower, you know, in the undergrad level. And I can tell you that most of my colleagues fucking terrible at teaching, right? (laughs) They they (laughs) really are. I don't say it to their fucking faces. And I say it all the time in the committees that I'm at, at the college that I currently teach at. A lot of them suck at teaching. Like we need a huge overhaul in the way that we do awesome. education. And undergrad classes are the most important and the biggest place that we need that change. This is a topic for a whole another conversation. I think another awesome. podcast. Like I could talk for days on this shit. Like, yeah. oh, it drives me absolutely. I, I will say, but I see the twinkle. So
1: yeah. we're gonna keep <laughs> write this
2: down because no, yeah, like
1: <laughs> Christy has the yeah. twinkle going. I see <laughs> no, that. I, I see that, Not that it, At but,
0: high school,
3: we didn't have shitty teachers, but. For me to graduate with a bachelor's in science at UCSD, mm-hmm. I needed to take multivariable calculus. I needed to mm. take physics. I needed to take yep. organic chemistry. That was for non-science majors. I had to do all the hard sciences, sciences yep. that were comparable to someone going into pre-med. Yep. And I left with a fucking psychology degree.
2: <laughs> See, mine was a little bit I different. I honestly think that that's great. Yeah. I took the hard psychology classes. I took the anatomy and <laughs> physiology of the brain psychology classes. And I think that that gives us a leg up on understanding how and why people behave the way that they do and having sure. a better understanding I and, think it, that's and add some credibility to the science. We're not a soft science. It doesn't need to be either.
3: But am I using multivariable calculus? Fuck no, no. that is bullshit. (laughs) 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 You needed
2: that probably because they had that was a research bent, right? They thought you were going to go into research, and you need that for the analysis of the data. There that's where that like
1: comes we from all yeah, but, okay so mm-hmm. i loved stats. stats i'm not gonna lie I, <laughs> I i i enjoyed it but but again i had i was doing research i was presenting right so i yeah. needed to mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. what yeah. the shit that i was presenting oh, yeah. meant. yeah I mean, that makes sense. from the
0: other lens i didn't do the re- i came from a research school of uci but i did the more clinical path and at least when I got to grad school and undergrad, it was all these insane fucking tests. Like that professor would pick seven and we'd That's have just to write peeping. two essays. Like, it was insane. But when we mm-hmm. hit grad school, it was a lot of essays for me. Like I would have 10 to 15 mm-hmm. page papers throughout mm-hmm. oh, yeah. twice a week.
2: I, I wrote one so, of those every class. yeah. And <laughs> I,
0: I could write like it's nobody's business, but that also opens up the discussion, which I want to end on. Now, I wanted to be clear. We are not coming from a place of bashing. We are not coming from a place of judgment, but more so explaining the why behind where we come from. This is strictly our opinions, and it is for entertainment purposes only and educational purposes only. We are not working in our clinical capacity here. (laughs) So now that I got that out of the way with with life coaches, you know, there's a reason why we went our paths with what we're working with we're working with a lot of really fucking hard topics and with my master's I didn't need a dissertation or exam I'm curious to hear what Christy needed um but with ours we just needed field study at least at Pepperdine um we had to have a certain amount of hours, we had to consult at least once a week with a professor and the, the course was specifically practicum. But with our degrees and whatnot, with our path, we learn from licensed clinicians. There's a reason why we need at least about two years of supervision. And then, in order to supervise, you need to be licensed for two years. You need this continued edu- education because a lot of times, you know, we're dealing with people's emotions. There's personality disorders. There's individuals who come from very fucked up childhoods where if you don't know what you're doing, you can psychologically fuck someone up. There is a reason why there are credentials. There's a reason why there's safeguards. But I mean, we see that even when there are credentials and safeguards, like with the Spidey pages, people fuck up.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So when Mm -hmm. it comes to like life coaches, it can become very scary as a clinician to see the lack of, I mean, there are counseling certifications or whatever, but it's very scary to see the lack of oversight and the lack of credentialing and education behind that because I'm hearing of very unethical practices and I'm treating clients who have gone to, you know, life coaches, counselors who weren't therapists and are told to do things that are Ugh. absolutely Big sigh. completely against everything ethical that exists in therapy Mm. and causing actual harm. I see that all the time in my field as a trauma therapist, but there's, yeah, grad school's expensive. Yeah. Becoming a licensed clinician is expensive. It's fucking hard, but there's a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. deal with complicated shit. Mm -hmm. That's my two cents. I'll get off my soapbox before I get myself canceled, but
2: well, I mean, I mean, even within the licensed folks, you know, how many times have we had a client come to us and tell us what some fucked up shit their last oh therapist did, so right? You know, oh. if your client comes to you and they're full of trauma and they've got this trauma history and you're not trauma-informed because you haven't bothered to get any training. And I I definitely believe that our field is full of a lot of gatekeeping and, oh, you have to have this certification and this credential and like, fuck that, it's just right. like, whatever. You know, how you choose to get your training, whether you get a certificate Of something, or or you read a bunch of books, or you attend CES, whatever. As long as you are continuing your own education to make sure that you're not harming your clients, because we don't need certification. (laughs) Something, right? And whereas a life coach, or whatever kind of coach probably doesn't have any of that or there's no way for you to guarantee it. You know, like I'm not going to say that all life coaches are bad or dangerous. I'm sure there are some out there that are wonderful and do really great work, but they should also be able to tell you where they're coming from, how, you know, what's their perspective, how were they trained, you know, what makes them the expert? Ask to talk to their, you know, do they have testimonials or something like that? Like, how are they showing their accountability to you? And I think that that's the big thing is that we are accountable. When we choose to be licensed, we are showing I am accountable to multiple agencies and people and you can check my shit, right? right? Life coach doesn't have that. Right. And so there's no accountability there. So if you choose to work with a life coach, you're doing so at your own risk. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think and I think a lot of them will cross the line. Like if you're getting into that deep stuff and you're really processing oh my dark gosh, memories, right? traumas, your history, that's therapeutic work and that should be done with a licensed professional.
0: It really should. Because if uh, you yeah. don't have the trauma training, you
3: can re-traumatize
0: clients. Exactly.
2: Uh-huh. I've been like,
3: t- I've been told that coaching is like it's the wild, wild west right now.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's
3: can can be lucrative in terms of money. And I can see why the the attraction for it. I can charge whoever I, there's no restrictions on where I can Mm -hmm. see people,
2: how Mm -hmm. long,
3: what I'm charging, et cetera.
2: Yeah. But I also see yeah. some unethical practices of therapists who aren't licensed in other states. And like, oh, we'll just do coaching with you. And then they're not changing their business practice. So like if my client moves to another state and I want to do coaching with them in that state, there's no legal thing saying I can't. Right. But I need to make sure that I'm actually just doing coaching and I'm not doing therapy with them. Otherwise, I'm just skirting the licensing laws. Exactly. That's illegal and unethical. Mm-hmm. And I see that happening a lot within our field, too.
3: Yeah, my last job she would like my the owner of the private practice and big thing I don't work there anymore I'm currently Thanks in a fuck. legal debate with <laughs> this person God. but um yeah it was like you know i can also get you guys to do coaching i never did but i remember her saying that and making it sound really fucking good and now like on the outside i'm like no fucking wonder she was selling that as well Mm
2: -hmm. you know you
3: can do coaching and i've heard from other people that were working for this person that were interns they were seeing couples or people out of state and charge and billing insurance as if they were there's yeah
2: Mm -hmm. so and, and then I didn't do any coaching because I wanted all my hours, oh, every hour. I, I, I wanted it all, to work all, my all of my license. <laughs> I mean, right? there, is, there is some merit to life coaching. I do a little bit now, but that's different. Yeah. And okay. I delineate like very clearly, this is what we will not work on if we're doing exactly. coaching sessions. Exactly. Uh-huh. Like this is therapy. You will pay me as a therapist for that. And you must be in in, in my state if that's the case. So yeah, right. there's some, some interesting things out there for oh that. My God. <laughs> you
0: were going to say, Jess? Yeah, I was gonna say there is, and again to clarify, this is not shit talking or completely discrediting or invalidating life coaches. There are uses right. for life coaches. You know, some of the nitty gritty, like I call it hand holding for lack of a better term. But the hand holding between sessions, cheerleading. the <laughs> hand holding. I literally got <laughs> pom poms to celebrate my clients. Um, yeah. We get chaotic, wholesome up in here. But the added support between sessions, the really hands-on approach, I mean, I'm very experiential, but when yeah. it comes to, like, nutrition, when it comes to guiding you through the how-to, I don't do. Right. I guide you how to get there and give you the tools mm-hmm. of figuring it out yourself. It's
3: not our but job. But like
0: some people do need life coaches for that really hands-on work, which is great. It's great. Yeah. But when <laughs> you're getting or a into- higher level of care. No. <laughs> yeah, when you're getting into, it could be great in supplement or supplementing your work with a licensed therapist. But if you're working on some deep shit,
2: it right. might not
0: be the best path to go. You're figuring
2: out why you need the therapy. That's therapy. If you're just trying to apply exactly. the tools that you learned in therapy, that's therapy more like coaching. coaching. Yeah, Yeah, I see that. That's kind of how I differentiate it in my practice. So for clients that maybe have graduated and moved on and now they're like, I just need some like cheerleading. I need some reminder and how to stick to my goals, you know, help me set my goals, help me remember my tools, you know, and and cheerleading throughout the week. That's coaching, right? We're not uncovering why you have daddy issues. Right. Mm. Right. Or whatever.
0: Mm. Fun fun, fun. Well, I am aware of time as well it's the weekend we all have shit to do but I wanted to I open up <laughs> the, I wanted to open up the marketing corner as well so I'm currently working on you know I do my crocheting outside of therapy as well I'm working on a cute little goat boy Aww. he's gonna be like 11 okay, inches the- and coffee inspired because we all know as therapists are addicted to caffeine. At least I am. I'm speaking for myself. I have um, a coffee problem. Absolutely. I, have a coffee problem. Yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. have a coffee problem. Again, I work mm-hmm. with small children. I kind of have to. But Clinically, this is more for agencies and companies, but I do offer EAP, which is Employee Assistant Program Therapy Sessions, where it's typically three to five sessions, which also is a way for consumers or those listening to this podcast, if you want to try out therapy and your employer offers it, go for it. It's free. The great thing is we don't tell your your employer's shit. I work with
2: still applies,
0: right? I work with employees of like major television companies. I've worked with major executives of like Disney, things like that. Just throwing company names out there, right? (laughs) But with that, you don't have to worry about us telling your employer things. You can try 3 to 15 sessions to just kind of get a Costco-sized sample of therapy, and it's awesome. So if you're a company or an employer looking for someone awesome and badass and a little bit less traditional to help your employers feel less like shit, that's what I'm here for. And then on the other side of things, I am currently working with several cl- major lawsuits for like transitional homes before you get placed into foster care and major organizations that have had some sexual assault sprinkled in. We're not gonna name names. We're not here to bash. The lawyers will do that job. But I offer what's called certificates of merit, where basically if you're over the age of 40 and the statute of limitations has run out, you can be assessed by a therapist who says, yes, there is evidence, there is merit to these sexual abuse claims, go ahead and proceed with the case. So if you're over the age of 40, it will extend the statute of limitations. So Mm. I do offer EAPs, I offer ESA evaluations, and I offer certificates of merit so if you're an employer or if you are a company looking to pursue that with an awesome clinician i have openings hit a girl up hey
2: well if you're in florida and you're looking for a therapist and you want to do telehealth and self fate only, you can find me at www.swearytherapy.com Um, I am accepting new clients and I do have merch. If it's you know, you want a cup that says oh. it's just fucking therapy, or you want I'm a cool buy, like, little journal that says sweary therapy. Christmas that. That is coming up,
0: it's a huh? great Christmas is coming up. It's a I great know. way to hint to your family members that it's okay to go to therapy. It's just
2: fucking therapy. So <laughs> check that out if you're interested.
0: <laughs> that. Anybody else? No? That's awesome. awesome. Well, we have wonderful things on the horizon. We have a great team of ladies here that are awesome. So stay tuned for some more shenanigans. We have some spooky things coming up. We have some special Halloween fall episodes. You know the drill. It's our favorite season. But until then, go to therapy. Be honest with your therapist. Be honest with yourself. Hold space for yourself. Drink water, you dehydrated noodles. Or boy tears. Or boys <laughs> here. Or boys <a very> <laughs> But until then, Lovely. thank you for joining us on the couch. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.